These days, we're all just persisting Although the boomers are resisting The year of social distancing Our incomes are on a downward spiral We're teens on one day in denial The song will go coronavirus we're drinking ancient Baileys cause drunk's better than crying Wipe our mums with the yellow pages cause the panic is stockpiling It's hard to see the good in being all alone With our awful children trapped inside our awful homes Rich celebrities ask us to imagine no possessions As we brace ourselves on one of the worst of all recessions And as we cling to our remaining sanity Waste our precious time on our boring, bloody families. Let's be grateful, cause it's frankly kinda shitty. Going every bloody weekday to a dumb job in the city. You won't see creepy Kevin from revenue and sales as he stares at tits in meetings that should have been emails. You're avoiding fucking Rhonda and her awful separation as she corners you in the tea room with her tales of devastation. No more shitty bloody Gary and his time chef and a new star sticking up the whole office with microwave and tuna say goodbye to Belinda and her persistent office theft. Yes, we see that your purse is full of toilet paper again. And let's be grateful for no school drop-offs Where our kids pretend we're strangers And the designer bags are all knock-offs And let's be stoked for a break on packing lunch That comes back totally untouched Cause our kids are a bunch of unhungry kids So while these times are shit Let's be grateful we've got Netflix And after COVID-19 runs its course We can all get that divorce So let's all try to live with love and kindness Politicians operate with willful blindness And yeah, we know it's tough doing it alone But for the sake of the community, please stay the fuck at home Welcome to Good Sheilers, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we are longtime friends, short-time mums and long-time dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilers. So we're in the middle of a global crisis with perimeters that we have no idea how to navigate. 
Like most of you, we're dealing with multiple strange and difficult things, being frightened to go to Woolies, worrying about the vulnerable people you love, trying to balance and navigate your responsibilities to the community, trying to work from home with tiny kids and challenging professional contexts, feeling fearful that you'll lose your job and having already lost your job, fearful for your financial future. We're all just bloody lonely and we need a cuddle and our world right now is manifest with impossible things to comprehend and it's taking a toll. Oh, totally. Like we're in a time where we are hope poor, mate. I mean, mm. shivers. COVID-19 has screamed past the 1 million mark. The death toll globally is now at almost 75,000. And today our national villain, George Pell, <laughs> was acquitted from all charges. We did not need that. We and at the, did not need No, that. we didn't. And at the moment, we are reeling. And like most things, we're dealing very differently and operating from different contexts. We're both also very fortunate in different ways. I've got great hair. You don't. We're also... <laughs> Also very fortunate in different ways. Uh, we've talked about uh, how to address what's going on in the podcast and how we um, how we can do it in a way that's genuine and honest but also provides an escape for everyone listening. We're going to do it like this. By touching on something that's impacting on our lives now and by talking about something completely unrelated. Today we're going to talk about the shame attached to comfort eating or eating at all. And what it means to the relationship we have got with our own bodies. We're also talking about J-Lo, because why not, you know? <laughs> what a woman. We're also talking about bathroom selfies and why one of us feels sorry for J-Lo and the other one feels she should be held accountable. Mm. So, George Pell today, Bron. Oh, mate. It's <sighs> just, uh, when, I, when I read that, it was like... You know when you go through a really like a horrible day, like mm-hmm. you go, for example, I'll give you an example of a shit day for me. Like I will um, get out with the kids. I wake up too early. They're angry when they wake up. They um, demand breakfast. I give them breakfast. They chuck it on the ground. I think good, that's great. Um, I couldn't afford that food in the first place. <laughs> Eat it off the floor. Eat it off the floor. Yes. And then get in the car. I rush and I rush and I rush. I get one to daycare, one to school. I rush all the way to work. I get to work late. Someone rolls their eyes at me. They roll their eyes, Claire. And I think, you have no idea what my morning's been like. And then I have a class where a kid tells me to get fucked. And I'm like, good, why not? Cool. And then I go through that day and then I get to the end of my work day and then I get in my car and I go, go around and milk. I run, go around to the shops. Jump out, like sprint in, get milk, come back out. There's a parking ticket on my car. And in that, mo- that moment, I think, do you know what? You can all get fucked. <laughs> and George Pearl today was my parking ticket. Oh, it was. It's just the fucking shitty icing on a shitty, shitty cupcake. And... We don't have loads to say about it because I think we're both still processing what it means for victim survivors and the community and the justice system, but we really wanted to acknowledge Jen Andrews and what he's put out today because I think it's one of the most powerful public messages I've ever seen. So I'm just going to read it. Statement from the Premier. I make no comment about today's High Court decision. 
but I have a message for every single victim and survivor of childhood sex abuse. I see you. I hear you. I believe you. Oh, Game Goosebumps, again, I've read that a number of times today. It's just so sad. Mm. And it, I, I, like I, feel, I also feel sorry for the person who had to make that decision because mm. no one, I don't think anyone understands how important um, that, uh, you know, for George Pell to stay where he was mm. or is right now, for us to feel like the world is, is not made up of dog shit. Yeah. Um, and then that happened and it's the person who had to actually announce that because of all logistics and because mm-hmm. of it was, you know, the, the law is the law. It is what they've decided, whatever. I'm like far out. Well, interestingly, the High Court just, it was its first e-release of a judgment and it was all seven of them. It was a unanimous judgment. And so, I mean, it's interesting professionally because I absolutely can understand the legal decision that the social impact is devastating like mm. and uh, to all the victim survivors out there I, I guess they're thinking of you and you know it's it's a shit day yeah on the shit sandwich which is the world right now totally. and I think that what probably the most important thing there is that we definitely believe you yeah fuck um, yeah. yeah and yeah. fuck you George Pell so <laughs> uh the next thing we're going to want to talk about oh by the way uh for anyone who can't notice with our high-tech uh skills um we are not in the same room we're not in the same room we 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 are we are social distancing we're following all the isolation rules and we're not recording in the same place which has technological um challenges but we're making it work yeah so claire's about 600 meters away the exact (laughs) distance i like her that's what the order says anyway (laughs) (laughs) it's a dream come true no, Claire is 600 metres away in her Coburg home and I'm in the uh, very uh, far more privileged suburb of Brunswick. Six hundred wrap it in, mate. Yeah, you could, yeah, look, hard to find a way. And, uh, and I am sitting in my kids' um, playroom turned classroom. I am sitting on the ground and we just got a, a puppy. We adopted a puppy, so there's, like, just piss. Everywhere. Mm. Wait to rub it in, mate. <laughs> Living the dream. We both are. This is the best. Uh, so we really wanted to talk about the way we treat ourselves in anxious times and what we eat. Yeah. So, Bron, are you an emotional eater? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I am, but I'm. I, the way that I'm a bored eater. Uh, so if I'm bored and there's nothing going on, I eat a lot. So at the moment, that is all I am doing. Uh, and so, I, like, and it's actually one of the reasons I'm thrilled we're talking about this today is I knew that at some point we were going to talk about the way women treat eating. Mm. Women in particular. Men do this as well, sure. But women in particular. I know that we treat food as either a reward or a punishment. Mm. And we go on these. We, there's so many fads hap, uh, out there right now, and there would be the fads would be, you know, absolutely raking in the dough right now. Mm. You know, do an eight week course, do an eight like a twelve week challenge, do something with this, and people are so terrified that this is going to make this like COVID nineteen is going to make them fat that yeah. they're doing extreme things. But 
I, I think it's actually a really important time to reflect on what, like how busy the world is and how we have tricked our brains into thinking whilst we're busy we have a healthy relationship with our body and that's yeah. what I have done. Um, so I have been eating like, um, a monster at the Mm. moment. I, um, I'm actually quite terrified of carbs. You know that. Mm. I don't. And you insist, you're like, I don't care about carbs. I don't care about them at all. That's your thing. No, but that's what I mean. Like, like I'm, I'm like, like I don't miss them. When I don't have yeah. them, I don't miss them. I think that's the, uh, so. I'm like, oh great, cool, fine, whatever. I'd rather eat the topping of a pizza than the actual pizza. Like I don't ever do that, but I'm just saying I don't particularly miss them. And at the moment, now's the time to do weird shit like bake your own bread <laughs> or like make 19 cakes in a day. You know, like why not? And so at the moment, that is all that's in my house is lasagnas and cakes yeah. and just three types of sourdough breads and it is like they are delicious but my body is not coping with it and I go to bed feeling horrible but I mean I want to unpack that a bit like you're not what do you mean your body's not coping with it are you saying that you're gaining weight or are you saying oh yeah it's it's a psychological thing that your brain's not coping with it yeah probably my brain but also um my body like I I will I haven't tried I haven't put jeans on for what like two weeks now I dread it but I want to I want to unpack that though because like it's really really interesting that like I think almost everyone is gaining weight right now like we are all feeling the boredom and the anxiety and the loneliness and the fear with food but it's really interesting that I mean and this is absolutely in my narrative as well like I get up every morning and I'm like right I'm going to exercise like I'm going to use this as an opportunity to emerge and be super fit And it's really interesting that ads targeting me on Instagram and on the websites that I look at are are definitely, are definitely knowing that my age group and my cohort are looking at this. One of the things I saw pop up today was how to beat the COVID-15. Like they've already put a name to it. Then we've already got a thing to articulate what this weight gain is. COVID-15. Oh, 15 kilos. I don't know if it's 15 kilos or 15 pounds. I don't know where, the, where it's coming oh from. So God. it's anywhere between 4 and 15 kilos, which oh. is terrifying for women, right? Yeah. And I so start the day and I, you know, I go for a walk or a run because it's really important for my, my mental health. But then during the day it deteriorates. And I say deteriorates in the same way that you say your body is, you know, measuring the toll. It's not deteriorating because I'm eating. Eating is a normal healthy function and emotional eating yes some sometimes i use it as a way to suppress or soothe negative emotions but it can also be really positive like food is a way to comfort ourselves and to form relationships and to love ourselves Mm. and right now it's this experience that we're having when we're trapped in our homes and we have all the kind of pressure of this really chaotic scary world that we're operating in and we also have all the pressure of socialization and we're looking at our bodies going, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like it's really hard to navigate it. But I think the first step is, I mean, unpacking even the way we're talking about it. You and I are both talking about it like it's some sort of like negative assault that we are doing to our bodies. But actually, we're just eating and yeah. that's okay. Yeah, it's like watching my kids eat and they did never like, oh, I'm being very naughty right now eating these biscuits. <laughs> they're like high-fiving each other because they get an extra biscuit because I don't know what else to do with them. <laughs> biscuits are fucking delicious. They're delicious. They are, they are delicious. Like, and, and that's, I think, you know, I look about how I ate yesterday and in between meals I had five hot cross buns. Guys, yeah. it's almost Easter. 
and send Nubby off the shelves, and they're actually the best. And nothing can beat a hot cross bun with butter on it. I know you so don't better. care about carbs, but I care yeah. so much about carbs. No, they're carbs. delicious. Like, I understand they're delicious, but it's not hard for me to give them up. I, yeah, like, I, I think I that's can't. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, a lot of people can't. I know that Lucas can't. Lucas will eat an entire loaf of bread in one day. He will um, eat it. We just got. I just got to. We've done a lot of calling out of Wally. I'm just gonna call out Lucas. Yeah, good. Lucas's favorite food is a mayonnaise sandwich. <laughs> yeah, he thinks mayonnaise is dip. I'm just like, I'm like, oh my god, you are an absolute idiot. He just, he, I've watched him, he'll get like a slice of wholemeal bread and he slathers mayonnaise on like it's cheese and he eats it and he enjoys it so much and I wish that anything in my life gave me that much pleasure. I know, he's, he said today, he like, I've had a moment today, He like, so this is um, one thing that I found in my relationship right now is that every day he'll make a grand statement and they range, Claire. They range. <laughs> so he's often it's just like uh, in his study because that's where he has to work because he's working and I'm not. And he will like throw his head out of the study and he'll yell out something. And it could be, I love our compost. And then, <laughs> and then the door will slam. <laughs> or <laughs> yesterday I heard this massive smash in like a huge crash in his study. And the kids looked at me like, whoa, what was that? And then I opened the study door and he, he was standing there completely out of breath. And he said, um, which was uh, next to his feet was the blinds from the study. He'd ripped, <laughs> obviously ripped them off and he was standing out of breath and he said, I hate blinds. <laughs> <laughs> and He's then, gone mad. Yeah. And then another time. Like, our car is completely, like, our car is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It is paid off. Our kid is just sitting in the driveway. We don't drive it that much, but we drive it enough to need it. And then he threw his head out of the, out of the door the other day and said, we need to sell the car. <laughs> oh Slam the door again. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, great. And then today, just actually before I saw this podcast, he was, um, like, basically spooning mayonnaise into his mouth and he said, I love Wait, mayonnaise. He eats it off a spoon. Oh, babe, yeah. But the thing is, I, I look, I'm judging Lucas right now, but my favourite or oh, my shame is I eat French onion dip like soup. Yeah, I love it do. so much. Yeah, I, did, I, did, your, and I do. You do. Throughout your pregnancy, I've you ate it. I've never seen anyone eat anything like you ate <laughs> French onion dip. It's like it's just, white trash. It's so delicious. Oh, my gosh. Like, just eat it. Like, don't fuck around with bread, guys. Like, do not even bother with crackers. Just eat it with a spoon. Don't I mean, waste French my onion soup. Yeah. Exactly. Don't waste it. French <laughs> onion soup is glamorous and it's French. So French onion dip is glamorous and French. <laughs> exactly. You are a French woman and I'd like to draw you. I'm a trendsetter. I'm a style blazer. <laughs> style blazer. It's a thing. <laughs> So let's talk about Australia and our relationship with our bodies. So a few years ago, the Butterfly Foundation looked at it and did a massive survey of our interactions with ourselves. And it, the results are really troubling. So 75% of the people who responded said that body shape and appearance was one of the most important things in their whole lives. Two-thirds said they've been bullied or teased about their appearance. And then 60% said they've restricted their eating because of how they felt about it. And 62% that said that food regularly dominates their lives. So we're fixated on how we look. Most of us are unhappy about it. 
and most of us do a lot to try and change it. So, Brian, what does that look like in lockdown? Well, what else is there to do? Like yeah. we we are we are in in our house, and like I'm 33 years old, and I'm 34 in a few months, and I have spent the past few years thinking um, that I'm pretty like I'm pretty happy with how it's gone. Like my my weight fluctuates all the time. Like it's really easy for me to put on weight and to lose weight if I just you know, do a few things. So easy for me to put on weight. My Like my jeans have to be super stretchy. Um, and now that I'm stuck at home, I've actually had to reflect on what I thought my, my attitude towards that was, which was mm. I thought was really positive. But now it's like, oh, no, I was just kind of like um, treading water and kind of like kind of pushing down all of the, that, that angry, mean voice that was – very very present in my teenage years which was like you are not beautiful <laughs> and oh god do you just remember just... that voice i hate oh my god so it's omnipresent like it's it's really it's but it's actually like quite a it's, it's really interesting kind of hearing you talk about it as kind of sorry the dingling is my puppy scratching herself <laughs> she is sitting next to me in the room uh, it's really I interesting it was hearing... the earring on your genitals <laughs> it was it's my clip ring oh. i'm just jingling it's so disgusting oh your actual so pig disgusting. your pig no it was my dog it was my dog who was not a pig um <laughs> but like like i i guess it's really interesting to hear that the way you thought you had a handle on it was actually by dieting and exercising and that's like the only way you felt like you had a handle on it was by having control of it and being fit yeah so I, I go, go to the gym like five, three, oh, I don't know, anywhere between three and five times a week. Um, sometimes I just sit on this treadmill, but I'm there. I go there and it's for my mental health to feel like I have control over my body and it's not that mean voice that every, mm. uh, not every person has, but a lot of people have, where it's like, you need to do this, otherwise you're not worth it. And yeah, so and I, I, and I... And for you it's very, like, it's interesting because I think... For me, when I get sad, I eat and I get, you know, and, and I, I feel myself get bigger and I, I loathe it. For you, when you struggle with your own mental health, I think you go the other way. You get really tiny. And I remember vividly this one day when Edie, your youngest daughter, was really tiny and we were at the park and you were having a really rough time mentally and you were pushing her on the swing and you'd push her and then in between the push, you do a jump squat. <laughs> you just like push and then huge jump squat and squat right down and push again. You did it for ages like it was the most normal thing in the world. And I was looking at you going, oh, no. Yeah, because this I, is not and good. Yeah. So for me, when my mental health goes to the dogs, I feel like I'm, I need to struggle to get control. Yeah. And as, uh, you know, a woman who grew up uh, in the 90s and 2000s, it was uh, a time where skinny was beautiful. And um, when by the time I got to my 20s, early 20s, I realized how to do that. And that was to deprive myself of things. And that was to Mm. do exercise that I hated. And that was to do all of these things that uh, seemed like punishment at the time, but had a reward. And the reward was people being like, wow, you look great. Yeah, and how and, how do you feel that ha- manifested like how like after you had Edie because you got super super duper fit like you I, were yeah. inc- like your body and I'm using like a really kind of general socially acceptable definition but your body was incredible you had like abs 
Bad abs, which was weird because Edie was like four, four and a half months old or something. It was not right. And my body had never had, had never looked like that. And um, it was because I was like super anxious and um, really, I was really quite unwell. And I was mm. scrambling to um, scrambling to find who I was as a person and a woman again. And it, at that time, it for some for some reason, it meant um, success meant being smaller, and that's just what I did. And that's not that uh, that is not a unique situation. Like Australia, no. Australia celebrates the dumbest stuff. So what I um, what I read recently was, do you remember? Um, do you remember Michael Clark? He was a cricketer. Oh, yeah. And Kylie Clark was his wife. I'm not sure what mm. she ever did. She probably did something, but she um, he was a cricketer of the um, – he was the captain of the Australian cricket team. They were married for a number of years, I think seven years, which was, uh, in my eyes, that is a successful relationship. It is seven a good years try. being married to someone – it's a long Amazing. time. I, I had a, barely made it that far. Well, do you know, like, like I, like I don't even know how long Lucas and I have been together. But if we, if we called it quits now, I'd be like, "Fuck, that was amazing. We did really yeah. well. High five. <laughs> how good is that?" But Australia, shout out to Lucas. Yeah, mayonnaise. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well done, fat slob. But it is. Uh, but she, they broke up, and obviously because they were in the public eye, we love a disaster. We love a car crash. Mm. Uh, the immediate pounced on that and how what her responsibility was from then on was to show that she was okay and how she did that was by exercising so Mm -hmm. I was um reading the news not long after they broke up or their breakup became public rather and uh the headline was only two weeks after separation Kylie flaunts her abs gosh and I was like what how are we how are we thrilled about this? Like she. What was it like seeing yourself in that headline, though? <sighs> like, well, it wasn't. I didn't. I honestly didn't. No, you're right. Okay, sure. I had a moment of of self reflection, but I did. I felt really sad for every woman <laughs> because yeah. I was like, how do we see her shrinking as a successful, um, like separation she is she would be grieving like even if she was desperate to get out of that relationship which we don't know anything about we saw this woman who was not the the captain of the cricket team a woman who had less uh, seemingly less achievements than her husband Mm -hmm. separate Mm -hmm. and she had to then become of like a fitness fanatic for us to be like oh no she's okay yeah, and that's the, that's the thing, right? We're all drawn down to our aesthetic selves, like that's our worth and that's our value. And if you can at least prove that that bit of you is presentable and okay, it's like, oh, great, you're doing, you know, you're okay. And I guess for you, like when you, after you had Edie and you were really struggling with your postpartum mental health, it was almost like a shield. It's like everyone was like, oh, Bron's so fit. Like yeah. she looks so good. Well, that's but what actually, kept me going. Inside, you were you were just crumbling. Oh, I was not coping at all. I was having the worst time of my life. But I also, but I really, really think uh, there it, it's hugely problematic how we praise people from being women for being smaller. And now, when mental health in Australia is going to be like thrown to the fucking dogs, <laughs> yeah, like there are yeah. going to be 
people fra- like people who thought they were strong become supremely fragile and yeah. people who were fragile to begin with become enormously broken and we are going to have to like look at them and the way that society teaches us to judge how their mental health is going is if they look fit they're doing well good yeah. on them and it's, Great. It's, it's not it's not just a shield but it's a i guess it's a it's a stick yard it's yeah. a measurement thing right so and now like, as women we're sitting in our homes with like so much food and nowhere yeah. to go and we know yeah. that if we eat it people are going to look at us like we've fucked this up like we've yeah. failed we have and not we're I, not coping we're not and you and i have to acknowledge that you we're part of the problem like i think we constantly like if if either of us lose weight or if others that's look good in our jeans we always say to each other hey you look really fit you look really trim like yeah that's our go-to right we do it yeah. all the time i say that i say that to people like to someone almost every second day and it's, it's because it is, it reflects the peak compliment you can give yeah. women. You are smaller. You have reduced your physical presence. And for me, like, I have always had a very, very unhealthy relationship with my body and food. I threw up my food for from when I was, I think I was very, very young to when I was in my mid-20s and have done it. I've got pretty good control of it, over it, like, since I've had kids that do it, you know, infrequently. But the self-loathing doesn't go away and it doesn't matter what do I what I achieve or how lovely my kids are or how happy I am or whatever. I always have that moment of looking at myself in the bathroom mirror after getting out of the shower and going, oh, no. Like, yeah. It's just, it can just, it floors you. And yeah, totally. Right now we're, we're trapped in our homes. We're trapped with the environment that we have. And, and we're trapped with our new... mirrors, Claire. We're trapped with our yeah. mirrors. Which, and, and also I have a bath in the morning and a shower at night. There is a lot of na- a nude bra happening. <laughs> and there's, a, there's a, like a mirror right next to my cupboard. So um, I see my nude body all the time and there's never, yeah. like not once have I walked past it and my brain gone, yeah, that's fine. Because it will only do that if you're teeny, teeny, tiny. There's yeah. no way like your socialisation will give you permission to just be okay or mm. look at the context. And like I every every night, like in the turbulence of what's going on, you know, I still, my thought just flickers to, okay, today you ate a lot. That wasn't okay. Tomorrow you got a chance to turn it all around. And my yeah. brain like goes to, okay, well, you'll exercise in the morning and maybe tomorrow you'll stop eating carbs and like maybe you'll cut out sugar and like maybe you can – and it just comes to the scenario you'll emerge from this like hot. <laughs> I know. So it just happens every fucking time. Like I'm like, oh, you know, if you like imagine like you walk out of this and everyone's like, wow, you must have used the – your home gym heaps and I'll be like, yeah. able to say yeah I did or I can like feign surprise and be like what me no I just ate cakes and which is not real and it's dumb and I know my brain like, even when my brain does it I'm like a scoff at it like you're a fucking piece of shit Bron. but it's my brain does it my brain has yeah. much like because my brain spent so, more years than not telling me that is what I'm supposed to think and do and act and, and the data tells us that's all Australian women as well. Like yeah. the data says that this is this is Australian women and their relationship with the body. So we think it's so important. Mm-hmm. It impacts and dominates our thoughts, and it in- impacts the way that we live our lives. Yeah. 
So I had a dream last night, and the one of the reasons I decided to talk about this today was <laughs> I, everyone loves when people talk about their dreams. Run, I know that's why it's gold. <laughs> so I I went to bed last night, and I was wearing these horrible pajamas, and I, like like were just so unflattering. And I got into bed, and I was like, "Fuck it, Bron." And then did that same thing that you were talking about. It was tomorrow exercise. Don't eat so much. Come on, get on with it, Bron. You're better yeah. than this. You're fine. You're not. 16 anymore you know how this works I went to sleep I had this dream that I was on a date with someone and this bloke and this bloke was on a call to his friend mid-date and he didn't know it was on speakerphone and I could hear his person on the phone saying hey uh what's she like and he said well she's the biggest one I've ever gone out with Oh and my god! I know, and I was like, "Oh my god, what a what an, what an asshole!" Like I hate him. But I woke up in the morning thinking, "Okay, that's a sign. I need Jesus. to." Do you know? Like in, instead of that's like waking so up and need of your brain. I know this is the thing. My brain is trained to turn on me all exactly. the time, and this is everybody, right? All of us. And again, you know, I talk, like I'm the social impact of this is really important because. Women out there, women, um, non-identifying people, non-binary people, everybody who might be listening, this is the way that you are dissected and disempowered because when when we have, we have been socialised to think that actually the most important product that we have is our body, it takes away all of our ideas and all of our sentiments and our feelings and our beliefs and our values and it minimises them. And yeah. so every 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 day, and that that is a very gender thing is important too because I would be very interested to see the data on the satellite that for men, mm. you know, oh, are yeah. men fixating on their bodies and themselves? I fucking know that most men I I know don't. They don't care, or if they do care, they do it kind of mildly. They're like, yeah, I cycle to work a few times a week, and that's fine. Like they because they don't have that kind of pressure. Yeah, on them. no, they don't. And so their their brains are free to think about other things. I told you, Lucas eats mayonnaise by the jar. But there is a. I feel like there's not a fifty year old equivalent of uh, J Lo for blokes. Well, there, but there is because who is it? every fifty year old man is an equivalent because it doesn't matter what fifty year old men look well, like. Right. It's about their achievements. No, you're <laughs> right. right. You're right. That is not it. But so okay. So here's the J Lo issue. So okay. in the news recently, J Lo has. Um, she's in there all the time, right? She's in there all the time yeah. for her bikini body. That is it. Because she's banging. She's super duper hot. She looks incredible. Lucas. Amazing. I will often find Lucas like on his phone looking at photos of her. And I'll be like, hey, (laughs) like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, my friend Aubrey is obsessed with JLo. Yeah. And has watched every single one of her movies and like proudly says that they're terrible movies. Like she is his go to sorry for his wife Sarah but like it's just that men adore her yeah and look I think she's great and I think she looks amazing I don't think there's anything wrong with the way she looks at all but I so she's really so recently there was like a um I guess I don't know it was a movement or like a trend I guess where she posted a photo of herself standing in front of the mirror in a white bikini and she's got this like super ripped, tanned, incredible body, yeah. um, and she's got no makeup on, and it looks like seemingly effortless. Um, and then after that, there was a trend where women were taking photos of themselves in the mirror and posting it, being like, mm. if, like J Lo swimmers photo. I don't, know, I can't remember what the hashtag was, but it was like, if J Lo can do it, I can do it. And then all that was doing 
was showing off these women who worked really hard on their bodies and then it, it was asking people to validate their bodies. That's yeah. all it was. It wasn't people going like, I don't care what you think, this is what it look like and I'm turning off in, uh, Instagram forever. They posted it and would have refreshed and refreshed and refreshed those damn screens to, to see, see how likes. many likes or to see yeah. how many people came out of the woodwork to say, holy shit, you look amazing, you look Tina. <laughs> like it was, do you know, like it was, it was, it was like feigned empowerment. Yeah. I saw that as really... Uh, it was. I thought it was quite sinister of her yeah. to be like, "Look, this is you know, just because I'm 50 doesn't mean I don't have to look bad." It was like, "Yeah, fine, great, but why did you have to make everyone else feel, feel like bad?" Shit. And this is just such the position she's in is one of phenomenal privilege, right? This is a woman that can pay for cooks and cleaners and personal trainers and nannies to take care of the children this is a woman who has a net worth of 400 million dollars that's more than most of us will make in our lifetimes times 40 it is crazy crazy wealth and for her to i suppose i think i think she's got a responsibility i think there's an accountability to this yeah no i hear what you're saying because i know that you feel you don't feel sorry for her. i feel sorry for her i'm like this would that is a horrible way to grow up to grow old i do not and this is my thing i because i i feel like i have like become come leaps and bounds with how i treat my body or feel about my body and whilst coronavirus has made me second guess how far i've come because i'm like <laughs> feel shit that would make have dreams about like fake men telling me I'm fat I I feel like I've come enough along enough to uh to be like that's cool if I get a bit bigger and it's okay to not be size whatever and it's cool and it's fine and I'm great and that no one is really looking at me anyway mm. I feel sorry for her because what well, like money hasn't been an issue for her forever like money is not what's driving her to do this I don't think what's driving her to do this is how society values her and society does not value her for her talent society values her uh, or her identity is created by how much praise she gets from her body and mm, i think that's a I, horrific existence look i i think i i don't think jayla is suffering <laughs> i just feel i feel like she is like the amount of adoration and adulation she gets on the internet from her fans from everybody she works with will be sufficient I feel sorry for all the women who looked at her and you know 50 year olds and were like oh my god that is the opposite of how I look and felt the phenomenal pressure of that kind of pedestal and I also think that she has a responsibility I think when you have a 400 million dollar base of wealth and I think that when you have a platform and you have millions and millions of fans and followers, you have a duty to reflect on what your power does. Sure. And you have a duty to reflect on what your message tells people. And what she was telling every single person who looked at that post was that you are not good enough mm. and you should do better with no perspective on what somebody's assets and resources were, what their context is. It's just about their aesthetics. And yeah. sure, she can celebrate her phenomenal body. That's fine. She can talk about the pressure on her. That's fine. But I think that what is missing is that acknowledgement that it is extraordinary privilege and extraordinary wealth that makes it okay that she looks like she is. And I think she's accountable. 
Look, I agree with you, but also we have to understand that in her context, she's been rich for a really long time. She has no, she can't gauge where, where everyone else has come from. And from a person who did have a, a silly addiction to exercise for a while, um, I, I wasn't in a good place. Like I, I wasn't, but I wasn't. Like, I don't think you can compare yourself with J-Lo. Like I am like J-Lo. You were J-Lo. But the thing is like, I think that argument, I guess the extension of that argument is that anybody who's super wealthy is hoarding assets, who's hoarding attention, who's hoarding wealth. I mean, every single person he can think of in our community who currently has, you know, the lion's share. Like you can say, oh, they don't understand because they're too deep in or they've got so much money they don't actually know what money means. I think... I think we have to call them into account. I think we have to call their impact into account. It's like that that billionaire, that British billionaire, who was who posted photos of Instagram of him on his mega yacht in the middle of the Caribbean. Is the like, queen? Like, yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was this British millionaire, and he has like one of those crazy mega yachts. And he was like, you know, enduring lockdown. It was a photo of him on his fucking yacht. Oh, yeah. It's like perspective, mate. Yeah, sure, you've lost perspective. That doesn't mean you're not accountable for having had lost perspective. No, but. And it doesn't mean the impact that you have doesn't matter. Sure. I also completely. That's. I understand where you're coming from. But I also think that Jayla's coming from a different place. She is a. Um, she is a woman who has been told her value is her body, uh, and uh, like n- like some of her music has got um, some great reviews. None of her, like whilst you say your friend Aubrey's watched her movies, they've all been absolute dog <laughs> shit. Like they're none. I've of... liked a bunch of her movies. Mm, that's because you like dog shit. But it is. I loved Monster in Law. I loved oh, Made in Manhattan. So Hustlers. Bad. Was great. Maybe you're the one who's devaluing her talent, Brooklyn. No, <laughs> I, I think it's movies. I think it's anyone who has eyes or ears. But it is. <laughs> I think like a singer. Like I loved some of her songs in the olden days. But I also like get right. If you had my love, that was a yeah. jam. But she also has a really like you know women above forty invisible. She's like, wait, I'm fifty and I'm not. And that is powerful. So I see we have to look at the positives in this, which is like I'm 50, I've still got it, and men, are, men still see me. Women, you can do this as well. This is not or whatever. So I get I, – I, I see where she's going. I see but why people love But both of those messages her. are so dangerous. Though. Yeah, I get but it. Women at 50 have value because they're hard. Men still see me because they want to have sex with me. Like those are dangerous. Totally. Oh, they're horrific. Messages. They're horrific. But what, what I'm saying is like she is – She's trying to empower women through this way. But she's not. But but that's what she thinks she's doing. And she might be as well. The people who are posting photos of their bodies feel empowered by that photo. But what I'm saying is while you find her like she needs to be held accountable, I think that I feel sad that she's not being allowed or she feels like she's not allowed to age like I want to age I don't want to I don't want to stand in front of a mirror and take a photo of my body I don't want to during a fucking pandemic go into a gym and work out and have like you know bodybuilders like what are they called bodyguards like wipe stuff down before I lie lie on it I don't want I want to be like wait I'm gonna bake I want to do what I'm doing now but when I'm 50 Mm. But her behaviour, I guess, I, I, I get I get that. And every like everyone, she deserves to age gracefully and kindly and gently. But the way that she is dealing with it is because she's so open about 
it and her body and how proud she is, which she should be, but it makes other women feel bad. So yeah. it's not just about her. It's about all the other women she's making. Like even I, I'm 33. I'm 17 years younger than her. I look at JLo and I feel like a, like a failure. I'm like, I've also got two kids. Why don't I look like that? Because you live in Coburg. So- I live in Coburg. Because <laughs> you're poor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, all right, so we will wrap it up now, but I do think that the message that we wanted to send today was whilst we are starved of hope right now, we need to hold on to the good things. George Pell is a piece of shit. That is a unanimous opinion. Um, he should not be let loose, but we will not forget what he has done and we will not um, uh like disbelieve the people that he has affected what also we wanted to talk about was how whilst we are eating too much right now oh we're not we are not we are okay like we like and whilst those like those voices that we thought were maybe dead in the water are coming back up and telling us like oh my god you are not going to be okay at the end of this you will be okay at the end of this you are you are perfect right now you need to look after your you need to look after what is going on in your brain and just be kind to yourself. And it's okay if that kindness is a hot cross bun. It's okay if that kindness is a big bowl of pasta because right now what matters is family and friendship and community and kindness and getting through. And however that looks for you, that's okay. And the measurement of our personal success through these really awful times isn't the number on the scales or the size of our genes, it's how well we've taken care of ourselves and how well we've loved and cared for each other. Yeah. Great. And I think everyone should burn scales right now. Everyone should burn genes right now. And everyone <laughs> should burn um, children. Why yeah, children are banned. Why are, you, are they still would have heard us yelling at us in the background. There's been lots of yelling in the background. Oh, my God, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> I did ask them to move out before this, but they have not. Yeah. Bad jokes. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've been good shielders. Bye. Bye.